0: I am really been blessed to enjoy the music today, haven't you? And they've been good. So as a first song, kind of groovy, kind of Memphisy, kind of sound, I really appreciate that. I want you to know kind of where I'm headed to, to today and over the next several uh, weeks as we begin slowly, hopefully, transitioning into spring. I wanted one more little snow for my grandsons, but then when we had those couple of days of really nice weather, all right, nah, let's just skip that. We'll hold that till next year. Today I've got a message for you, and I pray you would open your spiritual ears and your hearts and just say, Holy Spirit, I'm not gonna be afraid of you today. I'm not gonna be intimidated, I'm not gonna hold back, I'm not going to to think that you might say something or do something in my life that's going to make me uncomfortable or move me to a new place, and I'm really not ready to go there. I've got some other things I want to do or want to think about or who I want to be. If you would just release that and just abandon that and say, God, I'm going to trust you. I know you're not going to hurt me. You've never done You've always loved me. You've always done good things. You've always done beautiful, sweet things in my life. I don't know why I would be so hesitant to allow you to speak this message into my heart today. Uh, and I say that just to free you up, just so you can kind of set a reset button or flip a switch inside and go, okay, Lord, I'm in. I'm, I'm with you today, and I'm going to receive. I'm going to receive whatever. Uh, today, I'm doing a, it's kind of a series, kind of not a series. I've called it Faith Foundations because what I'd like to do is, in between series, you know, we do a series that goes for four, eight weeks, whatever. And then to step right into another series right after that, it just it, to me it probably, you probably don't notice it as much, but to me it's like whoa that's a that's a quick turn or you know now I've got a whole new thought. So between the series for the rest of, of this year in 2021, I'm going to build in these standalone messages that will kind of loosely connect. I'm just going to call it faith foundations. And each one of these messages are going to connect to a core principle. To an idea, to one of like the foundations of who we are in Christ. We call ourselves Christians, or other people call us Christians, and and what does that mean? What I found out is because I was not really in church, you know, for the first third or so half of my life, um, and I kind of went for a while as a child. And I connected and began to understand some things. But then I dropped out and didn't go back until really after high school. So there's this big gap there. So when I stepped back in to Christianity, so to speak, or began to realize who I was in Christ and, try, and you know began to let him live out his, his life in me, there's a lot of things I skipped. And I began to make up for it, you, you know, but if you've ever done that, maybe with a hobby or something you've learned, and you know some of these advanced things, you know, a, about that, but you kind of went, you know, you need to go back and think, well, what, what is a running back, you know, or what is a, uh, you know, a turbocharger, or what, how does that work, actually, you know, so that's what this is about, today and then over the next few weeks, so today... We're going to focus on what I think is a fundamental, foundational uh, truth for everyone who would seek to follow Christ, and that is repentance. And then next week, we're going to begin a new series, and what we're going to do, I've called it Holy Week, and we're going to look forward to Easter, okay? We're about, what, four or five weeks out. Uh, from Easter, so we're going to work backward or forward, I guess, for the, in, during the last week of Jesus' life. We're going to look at those days and just kind of count down until we get to Resurrection Sunday. The message to repent is found all throughout Scripture. It is relentless and it's pervasive. Now, when I even say the word, and it may be because of my generation, but when I, when I hear the word repent, you know, I have a character of that in, in my imagination, you know, in my head, I have this cartoonish idea uh, of someone, you know, of maybe, and uh, I've done some street preaching it's, preaching, it's been a long, long time, and I'm not very good at it, um, b- but, you know, I, I picture those kind of guys out on the corner and just yelling that, and you walk by and think, what's the relevancy of this? So I hope when I say that word that the Holy Spirit takes it and says, no, we're going to get past all the cultural, you know, hangups about that, and we're going to zero in on what that really is. I was thinking about this. Conviction of sin is one of the most uncommon things that ever happens to a person. I mean, can you explain that? Why would you be convicted of sin, especially If there's no God, or if none of this is true, then where did that come from? Why is there a moral compass? Why is there this vacuum? Why is this this place? What is it that pulls you to that? I don't remember the story, but my mother says I was first convicted of sin, at least that she witnessed, when I was just six years old. Six years old. And I'm I'm saying, you know, I'm just really bad. She goes, what have you done? I don't know. I had not done anything specific. I just feel this something. And my mother, even as as separated, as distant we were in our house from so many things, she had the, what's the word, wherewithal? Is that really a word, wherewithal? I'm kind of liking that right now, wherewithal. She had the wherewithal to say, because you are bad. You know, and that could be kind of shocking or offensive to somebody. You know, if one of your friends said, Yeah, that's because you know you're really a jerk, and I think, no, but she had that sense to say, and that's called sin. There is this conviction of sin. And you don't have to seek it, it just happens. And, and it's the beginning, it's the beginning of an understanding of God. Jesus, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes. In John 16, 8, that he would fill in the blanks, convict of sin and of righteousness. He says, We're going to get this right. We're going to tell you how to get this right. When the Holy Spirit stirs a person's conscience, and he may stir your conscience, you know, this morning uh, about something, or about even just the bigger issue of rejecting Christ, whether you do that intentionally, and with swagger, you know, uh, kind of an open or blatant rebellion. Or whether it's just a subtle thing. Whether you'd say, well, no, I'm not really mad about anything. I'm not really against it. Just never saw the need or I don't really fully believe it. And you're just kind of passive about it. Both end up kind of at the same place. But when your conscience is stirred and that, that it brings us into the presence of God. and And, and it is not a person's relationship with other people. Have you noticed that? That you really start getting convicted about or the blunders that we made. What bothers us? What bothered me was my relationship with God. You know, David, all the way back in the Old Testament, uh, during the Davidic kingdom, you know, he He sinned, and he just sinned on top of sin. You ever do that? (laughs) You do one sin, and you think, well, i got to do another one to make up for, you know, to kind of do that, and then you got to cover that one up, and it just takes all this energy, and you end up in a really dark, bad place. That's where David was. But he had the wherewithal to repent. And here's what he said in Psalm 51.4. He said, against you and only you have I sinned. I have done this evil in your sight. And I love that vulnerability of David's. I love that transparency. Folks, that's when things happen, when you're willing just to drop your guard and say, God, I'm not going to blame my mama. I'm not going to blame my friend, the circumstances, or you know how this and that. he says, you know what, I'm just going to tell you. This is on me. The conviction of sin... And forgiveness and holiness—it just seems to be all so interwoven that the uh, only only the forgiven person, only the person on the other side of that, really uh, understands their the sinfulness and how tragic and damaging that was. But then how beautiful and and how light and, and just how amazing grace is, uh, and we understand our own holiness. And that happens to a person, then then she verifies you know that she is forgiven by being the opposite of what she was previously, by the grace of God. There was a time in my life and maybe you're there right now, or maybe you have been there, or maybe maybe you will be there one day, where well, you think, "Lord, I love you, and I want to have you in my life." i got to tell you, I don't know how in the world I'm ever going to stop doing that. This, I've, been, I've been engaged in this behavior what, for, for a long, long time, and Lord, I don't know how to even think differently about that. Or maybe you're going to begin a new, a new habit. You know, may, Maybe it's, you know, it could be one of a dozen things, and you think, God, Lord, I just don't know how I'm going to wire that into my lifestyle. I, I don't I don't know. And then as you walk with Jesus and as you repent and, and he just begins to unleash himself in you, it's, it's more of like, for me at least, looking over my shoulder going, oh, wow, I used to struggle with that. Or that wasn't a part of something I thought I wanted to, and here I am. Wow, it's just so, it's just so much me. I don't know how I would ever go back. You know, it's like I'm a new person. I hope you experience that. Repentance. Repentance always brings a person to the place where they say, I have sinned. It's just that simple. It's not easy sometimes, right? The surest sign... That God is at work in your life is when you can say that and you mean it. Anything less just becomes sentiment, it, it just becomes regret because of usually the consequences of what happened because of my sin. You know, the effects of that and how that rippled out, and I think, oh, oh, that's not repentance when you feel badly about that, when there's remorse and emotion connected to that. And I think sometimes we think, well, I really wish I hadn't made so many foolish choices and so many dumb mistakes, and so I feel bad about that. I, th- I guess that's, that's where we are. No, I think that you may have grown up thinking that or that maybe you just kind of thought that's enough and the enemy would whisper that into your mind. Like, that's all you got to do is feel bad about it. Well, I really feel bad about that. And then we stop. Folks, you're just on the edge. You're on the verge. You're just starting to come into the orbit. The entrance in, into the kingdom of God is through the sharp pains of repentance. When that collides with your own goodness and all your righteousness and all the stuff that you've brought to the table, then the Holy Spirit begins the formation of Christ in you, the formation of Jesus in you, in your life. That's what Galatians 4.19 says. And for those of you who are feeling that tension between, wow, repentance, and what about grace, and, Dan, this seems to be sort of out of, out of the groove for you, of what you usually, you know, you say, I want you to know there's no contradiction. This is all part of the kindness of the Lord, and it's, it's two sides of the same thing. I love Galatians. Man, I love that book. That book's all about freedom and it's all about the liberty that we have in Christ and our identity. But it talks about this formation of Christ that's founded and grounded in repentance. Repentance. This new life will reveal itself in conscious repentance followed by unconscious holiness It never works the other way, okay? It's never the other way around. The foundation of Christianity is repentance. But repentance is a gift from God. I don't want you to look at it like, oh, man, I've got to... Like the vaccine, you think, "Oh, my friends say it kind of hurts when you get that, but you got, you know, to get to the other side of immunity, you got to go through that, and so you you tough it out." I know it feels it, it's it's a hard thing, but it's a blessed thing. It can be a sweet thing if you just lean into that and say, "God, I'm just I'm not going to try to get around that. I'm not going to try to avoid that uh, in, in my life." The old Puritans. I've been reading the old Puritans lately because I think. I've misunderstood them. You know, I had kind of this bad vibe about them. And, you know, you ever think about a group of people you, 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 you don't really know or never knew? You just kind of have an image in your mind. So I thought, but I, and I, I pictured them as kind of harsh You know, they're just uptight all the time. They're walking around trying to catch each other doing (laughs) something. Kind of like Baptists. You know, and they're just kind of, you know, they're policing one another and everything. And I'm starting to read these letters and these writings, and they're just so affectionate. And they had this real sweet spirit uh, in in the Lord. You know, they said that repentance is the gift of tears. God gives us, and we pray for the gift of tears. When you cease to understand the value of repentance, or if you've never understood that and you just skipped over that, here's what's going to happen. You will allow sin to remain in your life. And that's not working for you, is it? Some of you trying to track with Jesus... But continue your, your life. And you think, well, I, I love the Lord, but yeah, I, I live this way or I do this, and I don't see any disconnect, I don't see any problem with that. There is a problem, and the problem is found in this one idea, this word repent. You can't have really one without the other. It's our foundation. Repentance is a gift. Now, this message of repentance goes all the way through the Bible. I mean, you want to go back all the way? You go to Moses. Moses, it says, preached repentance. His message was repentance. What was the sermon that God told um, the, the guy who went to Nineveh? You know that guy. Yeah, Jonah, I was testing you just to see if you've been reading your Bibles or if you ever went to vacation Bible school. Okay, Um Jonah was this guy. Uh, <laughs> this is, I know this. I, I know the Bible backward and forward. Uh, like, 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 oh, what's his name there back in the Bible. Jonah's message was, he said, what did he say? Repent. He said, go back and preach repentance. Now, some of you stop right there and you think, yeah, I get it, Dan. Oh, covenant. old oh, covenant. You're always hammering to us to not try to live both covenants we're new testament we're new covenant people i want you to know this idea did not go out of style or cease with the closing of the old testament moving into the new testament in fact in matthew 4 17 scripture says and jesus began to preach saying repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this was this inauguration, this initiation of Jesus' core message. What's his first sermon? What's the first thing he's going to say? He's going public. You know, he, he's, he's been following the Lord, and the Lord said, Now, now's the time for your ministry to be kick-started. What's the message? Jesus said, Repent. And it says there, in, the, in that little verse, it says, He, he, he began that saying, it's, in this, in this, it's written grammatically in this way that he said it over and over. Every time you turn around, Jesus is saying, you need to repent. Jesus is saying that. He said it all the time. In Mark 6, 12, it says, and they went out and preached that men should repent. Who were they? They're the disciples. So Jesus starts preaching, and he starts saying, you, you need to repent. You need to repent. Repentance, repentance. And the disciples pick up on that, and they repent and they begin to move out and they're preaching that now and then in acts you know the church is beginning to be established and created and formed and it's growing up and it's it's quirky and it's clunky and it's and it's just like us because it is us it's just these early days you know and and in acts 319 it says here's part of the first message one of the first sermons that was ever preached from the church it says repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out then when it gets that next verse I love that next verse I love verse 20 it says this it says that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord repentance triggers that and I know you may be focused on your sin this morning you may be thinking Man, I just don't want to repent. I don't want to let go of that. I don't want to go of that. When you do, when you take that step over, you release that, and you think, well, now I've created this gap in my heart, in my life. You know, I I don't know. uh, Someone, I think it was Joe prayed a moment ago, you know, that that, that there's all these mechanisms we use to cope with life and our issues and problems and all of that, and all of a sudden, that's emptied out, and you think, well, now what am I going to do? Oh, this freshness. It says says that, that the Lord begins to move in to to that place and he says the times of refreshing come from the presence of the lord there's a rabbi one day and he was walking along with some of his students and one of the students said "Uh, rabbi when should a person repent and the rabbi said a person should repent on the very last day of their life they walked along for a little further and The student spoke back up and said but we don't know how we don't we we would never know when is the last day of our life the rabbi said "Hmm, that's right then then the answer is simple repent now repent now in a sunday school class the teacher asked the the children uh, what does it mean to repent and a little boy's hand shot up and he said it means to feel sorry for what you've done. And right after that, a little girl's hands went up and, and she said, it's actually being sorry enough to quit. Repentance allows me to hate sin. Not just the consequences of it, not just the you know, effects of it, but to hate the sin. Not not this place where you think, well, it's just enough to, to mope around or to be sad about it or to be depressed about it or to feel guilty over it or to feel a sense of shame. No, repentance is when you take God's point of view of it. You just look at it in a different way. When you admit, I'm going the wrong direction. I'm going the wrong direction. That's really hard sometimes, isn't it? I've told this before, but when we first moved here and we'd gone to Pigeon Forge and there was a big snowstorm and I was driving. We had an 82 Volvo. Uh, It was one of my favorite cars I ever had. It was built like a tank. It was as slow as a tank, you know, but we were driving along and um, I realized I'm going the wrong direction. But I don't know how to turn around without my wife and everybody in the car knowing I'm wrong, (laughs) And so I try to make this big series of turns, and she's not buying it. She kind of figures out real quick. I, I see that. I know what, I see what you're doing. Listen, some of you just don't want to release your sin, or you don't want to be caught, or you don't want to be embarrassed. You don't want anybody to know. And so you, you try to just keep going in the same direction, hoping that you're going to get there anyway. Well, you're not. <laughs> you're not. It's just like in your car. Just stop and say, you know what? I'm going the wrong way. I'm going to turn around. The basic gospel message is not, I'm okay, you're okay, we're all okay. Everything's everything's fine. Everybody is good. You know, they just have a... Uh, I know that's in vogue right now, but it's a lie. Repent. Because the kingdom's right behind you, and and if you're going in the wrong direction, you're going to miss it going to miss it. Repentance is what makes my faith more than just an empty religion, more than just dry, tedious, mundane, boring religion, and you know, just something I'd never wanted to be a part of. If you're you're like a lot of people, you probably have said, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do better. I'm gonna change. I'm turning over a new leaf. Uh, I'm gonna try harder. And, and that's just like these, you know, these slight turns. No, uh, repentance is a serious change of mind leading to a change of direction. Now the Greek word I don't know Jonah's name, but I know some Greek words. The Greek word is metanoia, and what it means is to change uh, one's mind. Well, I used to think this, but now I think this. You know, that's, that's the, a pretty basic kind of a definition, but the Hebrew meaning for it is to change one's direction. You know, that I'm moving this way, and I stop and go, oh. I'm going to go this way. So both of those ideas come together, and that's what repentance is. I've changed my mind, and because I've changed my mind, I changed my direction. It's not just being sorry; it's about a, de- a genuine, a heartfelt desire to change. Folks, our society has such a wrong view of sin. And sometimes you feel hammered by it. You know, it's just so obvious and you go, you know, sometimes I watch the news or I read an article about what somebody's going to do or what they think and I go, am I, am I the only one that just thinks that's absurd, that that's ridiculous and can nobody even can see that? Sometimes it's like that, but sometimes it's so subtle. And that's why I pray for you guys, for you guys and for you guys, I just I pray for you because I know that subtlety is where you will land and come to a place where you think, well, what's wrong with that? I don't think there's anything wrong with this or with that because you, you, you've just gotten so used to it being inundated with it all the time. But our society has a wrong view of sin and the consequences and the power of it. I'm just going to read you some verses. Let me just, let me just give you some scripture. Um, 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief just produces death. Acts nineteen nineteen, And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all, and they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And maybe you're thinking, I'm not on that list. It's just an example list. He says, and such were some of you, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. He says, you used to be that. You're not that anymore. So don't identify that way. You are a brand new creature in Christ. He says, You don't have to carry around. And the enemy will say, You know, oh, you're, the, you're just a sinner. And, you're, and, you know, and he'll keep you uh, imprisoned in that place, the way you see yourself. Repentance changes all that. Repentance is the foundation of faith. Luke 13, 3. Jesus says, No, I tell you. Unless you repent, you will likewise perish. That's about as strong language as you can get. Acts 17.30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. That's us, New Testament believers. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was a famous English preacher he was so eloquent i mean i have volumes of some of his sermons and the guy just think oh my goodness you know and people would just come and just listen to this guy he was just mesmerizing and just powerful in the spirit uh this is something he said i started to cut this out of the message a couple of times because i thought yeah i don't know people don't always tolerate quotations very well but this is for me because i just really liked what he said about the need for repentance Spurgeon said, People seem to jump into faith very quickly nowadays. I hope my old friend repentance is not dead. I am desperately in love with repentance. It seems to be the twin sister of faith. I know that I came to Christ by the way of weeping, cross. When I came to Calvary by faith, it was with great weeping and supplication, confessing my transgressions and desiring to find salvation in Jesus and in Jesus only. God gives everyone a chance to repent. In Revelation 2, 21, it says, I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. 2 Peter 3, 9, Lord's not slow, To fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It's God's goodness, his grace, his kindness that leads us into repentance. There's a scripture, I read this chapter in Ephesians, and I kept coming back to this one verse, and I copied that verse in my journal, and, and it just resonated with me. It would just come to my mind every day, and I would just kept rereading it, and I thought, well, I'm going to try to translate it. My, my translating skills are pretty rusty, so, you know, I used some of the tools I have, and, and I just kind of hammered that out. And the, the, the more I read this, the, the, the more it caught up with it uh, that I became. It's Ephesians. Chapter 2, verse 7. And he's really breaking in right in the middle of a sentence. But he says, So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? How deeply sin and self and pride and just all kinds of... Even this willful subconscious rebellion is going on, you know, way down deep inside of us, just patterns of thinking that we don't even, uh, you know, become aware of. And that is what sends God's grace and kindness just soaring. And then we stand, and one day we will stand astonished At how great his heart is for us. Those of you who think, oh, I've gone too far. Oh, he wouldn't, you know, I've crossed a line. No, you haven't. His grace is bigger. If his kindness is immeasurable, then your failures can never outstrip his grace. It's always stronger. So our most haunted pockets and and memories of failure and embarrassment are where his heart is drawn to, relentlessly, passionately, unwaveringly. That's where he comes. That's when he comes. On your worst day, he's there. The Greek word for kindness is just really interesting. It's such a cool word. It means a desire to do whatever is in your power to heal and to prevent distress in another person. You know, in, in Matthew eleven thirty, 30, when, when Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you, because my yoke is easy, it means kind. It's the same word as this passage. He said, the yoke I'm going to put on you is just kindness. It's just so affectionate. It implies sweetness and friendliness, his grace and kindness toward us. And you could actually translate that over us or or to us or on us. And I think, oh, your kindness is on me. Your kindness is just on me. It's very personal very affectionate, very intentional. Folks, everything, and I know we represent a lot in this room and online, everything wrong, everything hurt, everything infected, everything broken, will one day be rewound, reversed, made beautiful be healed it'll be completely entirely restored in Christ because God doesn't come along and just assist injured people what he does is that he takes dead people and he brings them to life he begins that in you and he begins that in me the repentance So here's the challenge and the call. Will you repent? Repent. Father, give us the grace, the awareness, the open-heartedness, maybe for the first time, to repent of our sins and to look at you, and to follow you, to feel the refreshment of your presence. Father, it could be followers of Jesus in this room who are holding on to some mindset, some behavior that's just locked them out of, of knowing your kindness and how near you are. God, would you please give them the courage today and the grace in Jesus' name.